Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Chai with Rai, episode eighteen to be exact. To all of you new listeners and to all of you returning listeners, welcome. I hope you're doing well, and I hope you got your cup of chai's ready. Now, Chai with Rai is a show I like to call my digital jukebox of hidden gems, in which I reach out to working creatives in the entertainment and fitness industry. In the episodes, we discuss all things from life lessons to politics to socialism. Culture, history, the digital space, and of course the industry itself. Just a little backstory of the show. Chai with Rai is a pre-recorded live show which I transfer to podcast. So to watch any of the videos of the show, simply go to YouTube and just type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. You can also find all of the information in the bio or the description of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. Also, make sure to go follow these amazing people that are on the show and give them some love. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today on the show we have Ashwarya Rao. Now Ashwarya is a company member to Rombe Dance, and if you do not know Rombe Dance, Rombe Dance is one of the top contemporary companies in the UK. I came across her work through Simone, who's one of our previous guests on the show. Simone and two other dancers from Rombe, Nancy and Julia, curate a night at Rombe every end of the month, and it's called the Playground. Where artists of all disciplines can come together and do R and Ds and just play around with concepts. You have dancers in the room with photographers collaborating with musicians and actors, fashion designers, writers, directors to artists sketching them and painting them. It's it's a beautiful night and it's a free night of exploring and creating a community that is truly supportive. Now I have made some great friends from this night and it's not often you see South Asian dancers or even creatives in that space. So when I saw Ashwarya, I was like. Wow, and also just a bit of a context for the listeners. There aren't a lot of South Asian contemporary or ballet dancers in London, UK, or Europe alone. And P.S. Just a little disclaimer, because whenever I say that, I always get into trouble. When I mean contemporary, I mean the likes of Sidi Lape, Akram Khan, Hafesh, Yasmin Verdeman, Alvin Ailey, and Maria Schnard, and not contemporary in the sense of lyrical contemporary. And to this day, I can only count a handful of working South Asian dancers in that space that are either freelancers or belong to such companies. So when I meet somebody or come across somebody in that space, I'm always in such awe of how we are still breaking ground in the industry, and I always like to connect with them and support them. Also, upon researching, I was so happy and surprised to find a common. Similarity. I'm trying to find the word that Ashwarya and I share.、Um, Ashwarya has also worked in Bollywood with one of the top international Bollywood companies, Shamak Dance. And again, I do not know a lot of people who come from that background and have made it or prosper into the space that she has. She truly has such a unique and beautiful voice as an artist, and we had so much fun on the show. It was so educational and just beautiful to connect with her. I hope you enjoyed the banter, the laughter. Get your cuppers ready, and let's dive into today's episode. You have taken part, and I said this to Simone and every Rombeer person that I meet. You guys have taken part in one of my most Favorite productions ever, which is Invisible Cities. Really, that entire set, <laughs> that entire production in its own, where where you guys worked with actors and 
And if it's ever brought back, I'm like telling people I want to be a part of it somehow. Somehow, please make it happen. It's on my wish list before I die. So you didn't actually watch the piece, but you've seen sneak peeks of it. I've seen so many sneak peeks of it. I've talked to people who've explained it about it to me. But let, let, I'm just going to ask you, how was it for you performing in that specific production? It was a very, uh, I don't know, it was a very new experience because obviously we were predominantly like we were dancers, but the main part was the narrative of the whole thing. Yeah. So it's like a lot of acting and a lot of like, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Like I enjoyed it. And obviously you worked with like Cyril Arby. So that was, that oh my was, God. It was cool. It was, I, I enjoyed it. It was, um, we took it to Manchester and then yes. to Brisbane. And it was a completely different show in Brisbane. That it was in Manchester, like things had changed and like additions uh, oh. to like the set, the water had like, there's one bit towards the end where the water sort of like fills up the entire state and like in water, but that couldn't happen in Manchester, but things sort of happened in Brisbane. And I think they're like perfecting it as we go, because it is quite like a big production because it's not just, it is. you know, it's like the sets and like the costumes and like, there's one point, like, I don't want to spoil, no spoilers. <laughs> no, no, by all means do, by but all means. There's like bits in, in the, but there's like a little river in the middle of the set and then like someone's like rowing a boat down whilst we're down. Oh cool. Yeah, it was fun to do. Ashwarya, I'm going to make it a part of you as well. And like I said, every single person I meet who's in Rombay to get me into that production somehow. Somehow. <laughs> we don't know each other, but I, if anybody, you know, breaks a leg or does something on the side or, you know, just, just be like, I have Brian on standby, you guys. He'll, he'll fly. He'll take a 24-hour flight. It's going to happen. We'll make it happen. But um, how have rehearsals been pre-COVID? Like, what were you guys' schedule? I, I know you guys do rep and ballet and things like that in the morning. But how is that? And how has it been coming from lockdown one to lockdown two to lockdown three? Oh, you know what? The first lockdown, obviously, was hard on everybody. So we were all working from home. We were trying to, like, keep active and keep engaged within the company. So we would have, like, company class or, like, we were doing the Bombay Home Studio thing that you, I'm, I'm sure you've seen. Um, so we were like teaching from home and so yeah we were engaged in that way but we hadn't physically like danced till like you know the the lockdown eased down a little bit and then we did our first live stream we did drop from within mm -hmm. like going back into it and I think you know it was such a shock to the system really like, what the hell yeah because we went from like a zero to 100 it was... wait how many months are we talking because you guys went back in the summer I feel because I used to dance outside Rombe I don't know if you guys know this that Rombe is outside because you guys have the reflection yes. situation. So people use that as a mirror and like they have rehearsals outside and they use that as like a place to jam. I've seen people do that, yeah. It's kind of cool to see that though, it's like, hey. Yeah, we can't go inside, but we can do stuff from outside. Yeah, for now. Yeah, so how long was that break from not dancing to... We, we were in lockdown or in uh, just working from home for at least like a good two or three months. Okay. Then we started coming back slowly into the studio, like five people at a time to do classes for on the home studio. So we're just recording classes. And then we had, I think a month um, when Wim van der Cables then came down to like choreograph on us. And because his style is so physical, we were like literally, our bodies were shocked. We were like, oh my God, we haven't danced. And now we have to throw ourselves around the floor and jump over cables and like slide under, I don't know what it was. It was a lot, but it was fun because yeah. we had a pent-up energy as well. It's like, we just want to dance, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. 
So what does a regular week and day look like for you? A day, okay, a day today. For example, today I had class, we had class at 10.30, uh, 10.45. Mm-hmm. We had an hour-long ballet class. Then obviously we're split into our bubbles for now to work on the production. So we just go to work on what we're working on right now for the entire day. But sometimes when we're working on multiple things, it will be like whatever we're working on first. So we'll have, say, for example, if we're working on a Hofesh piece, we probably yeah. have a Hofesh class in the beginning. And then we'll have lunch. And then we probably work on another production, like Rouge or something like that we've done. Yeah. So, but we finish at six. So I think it's just once you start at 10.30, you're just either rehearsing or you're creating till six o'clock. So yeah, today was one of those days where we were, we finished working on the production and we're just like cleaning things and changing things. You were in Rombe one and now you're in Rombe two, right? Which is like, is it, is it the same as Hoffesh, which is like the junior <laughs> I company? Rombe two. Okay. one. Got so, it. Who was in the first Rombe too, which was like the first time they had like junior dance company. So yes. It was like Hofesh too, I guess. And then uh, there were five of us who then moved up to Rombe one. And uh, yeah, that was, I think a year and a half ago. That was Invisible Cities was the first production I did. Was it really? Company. It was. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. How was your audition for Rombe? Oof. Mm-hmm. I love contemporary auditions, can I just say? Oh my god. Because <laughs> they are... I just don't, I'm a very, I don't know, I feel like auditions for me are just, obviously for everybody, they're just stressful. Yeah. But the minute I feel like I've, I've gone to auditions thinking that I want to get this job and I really, really want it so bad and put all this pressure on myself and then somehow mess it up because I've put so much pressure on myself. But when I did my Rombert audition, hold on, there's 800 dancers possibly auditioning for this. Okay, what are God. the chances? I'm going to get it. So I'm just going to go and see whatever happens and just take it as a, like, you know, one day at a time if I get on to like the next yeah. because There were some like seven different rounds because we did four days of auditioning. God, what, wait, I want to know the specifics. <laughs> what were the rounds? What do you guys, do you guys like do an improv situation? Do you guys learn rap? And then you kind of like do it again and again. Like, what is that? Oh so the first day, um, there were slots of like, you just um, sign in for like a slot of like half an hour or like yeah. minutes. And I was in the very, very first slot. Okay. And the first thing we did was a ballet class. So the ballet class, obviously, was <laughs> like a bar and um, center. Then like literally I saw people around me and I was like, all right, that was a good, good for me. That's it. I'm going to take that and just go home and then chill and see what happens. Uh, but no, I got onto the next round, which is very surprising. And I said, Wait, so they make cuts there and then? They make cuts from the class? Into- they, so Damn. Made, they made the cut. We went, we went, whoever was like, obviously called the next day, we went in again. Then we did a contemporary class. They made a cut again. Then we did a uh, Hofesh rep. Then we did like a rep. So then we did Hofesh a little bit. And then our artistic director now, he was, um, uh, I think, only if artistic director for like a period of time then. Like it wasn't, he was just like temporary for them. Mm-hmm. The choreographer for us. So he then um, did like a routine on us. And then again, there was a cut. And then they did a Sharon Eyal rep. And then they made a cut. It was just so many rounds. And then they did another a little routine with uh, Benoit, who's the artistic director. And then he made us improvise then. 
I remember this so specifically. He's like, okay, you guys, like everyone finished like the routine and everyone goes to the back and then one by one, I want you to just come and just improvise. Oh God. Oh my God, this is terrible. How long is the improv for? I don't even know. I think he just like, as long, like just feel it, just feel it. So it was just like maybe like four eights or five eights of improv. Oh God. Yeah, that was, that was the most like stressful one. I was just like, oh my God, this is a lot. But because by then it was like the fourth day and all our bodies were shattered as well. It was just like, oh my God, it was quite intense. And then, then we had, I think, 20 or 15 or 20 of us yeah. remaining. And then they did an interview. So we had like a, um, like a physio just like make sure that we're all healthy and we're okay. And that we're <laughs> going to be able to do like one whole year of intense training basically and then we did interview which was like spread across um like the month or something like you get a call and just go for the interview it was with the rombert school principal with um two of the rehearsal directors of rombert at the time and i think i don't think ben Bob was there i think it was someone else i quite don't quite remember but then yeah we did the interview they asked us like you know what what why do you dance and then choreographer and da, 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 da. like okay and then, yeah, after that was, I think we waited for like a month. It was a long Oh, time. God, that is torturous. <laughs> like, that oh, is torturous. So long. But yeah, got a call and I was just like ecstatic. I was like, I can't believe, I can't believe it. it yeah, I think that was like the most like surprised slash happy I've ever been because I wasn't expecting it. You know what I mean? Like it's the best, yeah. like when you go into something thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go for the experience and see what happens. And then you end up being actually like part of something that's going to change your career in a, in a big way. You Do know? you not go in with the intention, like especially when you're doing improv and things like that, that I'm going to stand out. So I can talk about it from a commercial perspective because I feel like mm-hmm. I haven't been, I've been removed from the contemporary scene for such a long time. But when you go for like the commercial music videos, movie sort of situations, and you know you're going to pull out all of the tricks like if the guys are like good they'll take off their shirts or like they'll do backflips or like the girls will lift up their legs and you know do ponches or like you know sort of tricks like the things yeah. like that just to stand out were you when you were doing your improv you were like yeah I'm going in I'm going ham yeah I feel like I also was like I think because I went in with the expectation of like nothing from it I wanted to show them what I could do up to them if they wanted if they if they liked it on they didn't you know what I mean I just like I just gave everything that I had and I feel like with me like because um I do have a lot of Indian like like Bollywood and like uh, Indian folk dance in me did you just go in like how would you no 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 no. (laughs) can you just imagine can you just imagine I actually now they would eat it up now though (laughs) it'd be like I'll do that No, no, but it was, it was, yeah, I was just like, okay, this is what I have to offer. And this is what I would bring to the table if I were to be in the company. So definitely, I think there's a, there is what there was a little bit of like a commercial, you know, when you go for this commercial auditions and you do want to stand up, like, this is what, yeah, I think that the movement sort of like spoke for itself. Like, this is what this person has to offer. And I feel like I want that, a part of that, you know? How long were you in Shamak for? Let's just talk about that. I have been in Shamak since I was eight years old. I started dancing with Shamak, okay? And then I was in the company. <laughs> I was in the company when I was 16. Um, so I was in the God. company first, okay? I, so my, my whole journey started... Oh, my God. 
was in pre-teens. Then I was in the special potential batch. Then I did like the one-year program with them. And then I got into the main company when I was about like 15 or 16. And then I was with them till the time I was 18. And then God, I was... you were with them for like a 10 solid year. No, literally, I grew up there. Like I literally grew up in that whole world. Wait, so do you know the husband and the wife who I always forget? What's their name? Um, the ones who run London. Uh, Shruti. That's it. Yeah. Shruti and Rohan. Rohan and Shruti. Yeah. Yeah. I always yeah. forget the name. Yeah. I see them yeah, all the time same. whenever they, uh, whenever Diwali um, on Square happens. Oh my God, I can't compare the two experiences. But what I want to ask is, what between Shamak and Rombe, what, are the, what is like the biggest, biggest difference? Hmm. Or what are the three? Let's talk about the di- three biggest differences. Three biggest differences. I feel like there is a lot of, there's similarities also, but like, I feel like the differences is in the the amount of physicality that I have to do. Like when I was in the company, when I was in Shamas, there was a lot of work all the time. So you're we constantly like doing things, you know, we were either doing a show or a wedding or performing for like a music award show or like a film award show. Whereas here, of course, we're performing and we're creating work, but I think it, this has <laughs> less of a commercial um, goal to it. Like it's not just we're not just doing things for commercial gain. I think we're also doing things for the artistry and investigating our like investigating dance more personally. I think that was one of the differences. But that's just how the industry works, you know. Like I think Bollywood industry is very very different than like what contemporary dance is, right? Really? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean even like like I yeah, and I think the other thing would be like with the physicality. Like even though we were working twice, like just as much that I am right now I think it's a Rambert is harder for me because it's 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 a lot of it's a different way of working your body like you've done Bollywood you know how fun it can be like it is like a lively thing and it's fun and it's like a lot of a lot of like exercise a lot of cardio it was like with with contemporary or with with Rambert I've had to like really think about in what different like how many different ways can my body move because it's a rep company you know it's like so many different things like you have to have in your bag like, okay I need to now focus on my technique and now I need to focus on like floor work and now I need to focus on like making sure that I have this like fluidity in my body to be able to access like all these different things that these choreographers need for me so I think the approach of work and the approach of like movement is very very different I think um and I don't know I think working hours oh my god working hours <laughs> I feel like I worked a lot, like back back in India as well. Like I feel like when, because you're you're doing dance or you're if you're dancing, it's not really considered, sadly, even now, a profession that is viable for people or like people that wanna you know that they can consider it a career. Mm-hmm. Really, it's really like not. It's common sadly looked down upon. Like if you're a dancer, if you want to be a dancer, like what is that? Like why do you want to do that? Like that's not going to make you any money and like all of that. So that mentality of people and dealing with people with that mentality sort of, I, I somehow feel like that shaped me in a very different way. So like how I, how <clears throat> I was as well as a person was very like strong even then. And I feel like Bombay has made me, because it's a healthy environment right now for me then like because people actually value dance here, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot more, it's a lot more easier. I feel. 
you like made me a different person that's what it is it's interesting you said i've done bollywood but i think like there's bollywood and then there's shamak <laughs> shamak is an institution in its own but <clears throat> I what I'm always intrigued by is like Bollywood and Shamak just on its own like when you're a kid of the Shamak school like I know there's classes that you guys will do that are like of contemporary jazz or origin but I think I will correct me if I'm wrong and we can both be like we both don't know but I would say you are the first a brown person I know in Bombay I don't know if you're the first brown person in Bombay mm. I would love to investigate that If there's any Bombay aficionados here, please do let us know. Second, I think you are the first Bollywood Indian person who has been able to transition into coming from such a heavy Indian like Bollywood background into a I don't want to say substantial contemporary company or contemporary world, but that sort of realm, mm-hmm. like. the hafesh the sidi labe the yasmin verdman that sort of thing and i know there's a lot of indian dancers that are like in yasmin and there's like you know in other sort of um companies but somebody of that background i think you're the first oh i i maybe yeah <laughs> I that's yeah oh i have been very very lucky like i like i said like i wasn't expecting bombay to happen because i was just going with it and i was just like let's see what happens and it's yeah I feel very, very lucky to like I made that transition. Sometimes it blows my mind. So when I think think of things like oh like 5 years ago I was in a completely different like environment. Yeah. than what I am right now and like I'm sure people think that like oh 5 years ago I was this and then they wouldn't have thought where they where they are right now would be possible maybe. Mhm. Yeah, it almost like it, it just everything just happened so fast. Like everything was like okay now I'm in Rome by 2 and now I'm in Rome by 1 and it's like I sometimes like haven't had a minute to like let us think in and be like whoa remember dancing in like at ifa in like this like massive stadium in front of all these people and like behind like bollywood celebrities like that was yeah that's a very different world but like you're right which yeah. i did do a lot of um like contemporary work because we did the shows obviously which were a little more commercial but he also had um you know his own like shows that he put up which were a little bit more uh contemporary and mm-hmm. indian sort of um folk lyrical folk, yeah like fused with contemporary dance and that those were really fun to do those for me were were really <clears throat> something that made me even like fall more in love with contemporary dance and feel like oh this is what i want to do you know or else i would have stayed like i was comfortable there was nothing for me to be like oh i want to go and like you know just throw myself somewhere really really uncomfortable where i don't know if i'm going to land on my feet but i feel like the the passion and like the love for like oh my god this is something interesting and this is something that i want to investigate before it's too late you know so then i was like okay let's go let's go study dance and see like what that is good but yes we get exposed to ballet we get exposed to jazz we get exposed to things but the syllabus learning about gaga learning about love and learning about like all of these different practitioners and doing so much of it when was kind of like your eye explore to all of that so whilst i was in shamaks and yeah. like the one year program mm. uh, we had a, a teacher called Harmon Benjamin who used to work with shamaks but then he's uh, really 
and then he came back to just like work with us for for a year. So Herman actually was the first person who um, we were. I think he made us watch Mr. Gaga at the time. Oh my god! Like I was like, oh my god! I was like so blown away. I was like, oh my god! I want to do that. Like I feel like that is so. It was just so new and so fascinating. I'm like this is something I definitely want to do. And then he made us like. I feel like that was my introduction to at least Gaga. I think more than anything else, that's what I knew. And then we had a few like Graham teachers, so like that's my that was my introduction to Graham. But a lot of the other techniques, I think I learned when I came to the UK when I was at Lippa, and then I was studying dance there with. Um, uh, actually, my contemporary teacher at Lippa was an ex-rombe dancer. Oh. <laughs> she was an ex-rombe dancer, and then she <clears throat> sort of quit, and then she was doing her own thing. But uh, so I'd heard of Rombert. I did. I had only heard of it and be like, okay. But I feel like my whole like interest in Gaga and all of that started because of that one year program that I did. And I just wanted to. Yeah, I was just intrigued. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. This looks. This looks cool. Let's go. Yeah. I love watching your improv videos that you do. No. Oh, <clears throat> this is my knowledge from contemporary. I think when I was. Auditioning? What company was I auditioning? I think it was like Nihai or Deviate, one of those like physical theater companies. And they always said in rehearsals, like, you know, when you get given certain things, like you never understand the like, liquidity of like yeah. your movements. And we want you to be like, like a flaming volcano, mm -hmm. like moving like this and things like that. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until like I started really experimenting and going to like third space and going certain, doing floor works and contact mm -hmm. improv, mm -hmm. just understanding what somebody's movement can represent mm -hmm. i i watch people and i always like to understand what their body is trying to say about them as opposed to be like i always watch people's videos now on mute first mm -hmm. then i watch it with lyrics or like sound and things like that but how would you i know we're always evolving and i know you're young and you're still but how would you identify sort of the the movement vocally where you're at right now I think even right now and before I'm still investigating I think I'm always because I've had a hard time pin down exactly how I want to move and I don't know if it's because I'm still exploring different styles and I'm still exploring like my own movement but I feel like I'm I don't know, I change a lot. Like you're saying, like you evolve. So I, I when I improvise, I think my one improv than another because every day when I go in and if I feel like, oh, today I feel like I want to improvise. I think my intention is just to like, let my body do what it wants to do. And then sometimes I think it comes from a place of, okay, this is how I, I you know, this is what I'm feeling right now. Like, I feel like I remember very specifically after lockdown, the first improv that I did back in the studio was very, uh, very emotional in a way, not just because, oh, I'd been in like lockdown, this and that, but also it was just like the isolation, like not having seen anybody. And like, I understand that feeling for people, you know, like when they're, when they haven't seen somebody and they live alone, for example, like I left my home when I was 19 years old and like, I miss my parents and I miss my family and I miss that environment. So like to be isolated, I was able to get back in touch with them a little bit more because I had more space and more time and more freedom. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of hit me. I was like, I've sort of like lost connection to people that I genuinely care about. And the years are going by so fast that like when I go back home, I just feel like, 
oh my god like my mom knows that i'm a different person but she hasn't seen me become that person mm-hmm. like i've been with them but like i they're they look a little bit different like our <clears throat> actions are a bit different so it's just i don't know i feel like i had that energy and i feel like that i want that was the first time in an improvers thought of like this is what i want to explore and this is like the sort of the frustration not just the person the 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 realization of what was happening and it always will be happening because like sadly i have to be here you know this is this is where i want to be as well and if there was an opportunity back home where i could do something like this i would be and would be closer to my parents and my family but so i don't know i feel like improv improvisation for me comes from a very very different place when i'm a little bit like thinking or thinking about something so it comes from like an emotional place then sometimes it's just purely i just want to see what my body can do right now because i don't know i've been exploring just like moving like you said moving slowly and moving like more fluid and moving like full like moving like water or like whatever i think it's yeah it's it switches in and out as just a dancer Mm-hmm. who will look in a mirror and want to get booked for a job although you're now with Bombay and like we're talking about you're booked with them you you're on a payroll system you know you mm-hmm. get things like that but as somebody as an identity do you feel like you sit more in like earthy situations like i don't know like a demi plié sort of situations and find like gravity or like bold things that are like more hitty is my question one do you like things like that or is it completely the opposite the second thing is as dancers we're always vain we always want to be imperfectly perfect mm-hmm. so even when we're messing around we never want to fuck about with our lines we never want to mess around with technique and things like that mm-hmm. you know if we have flexibility we don't want to point our foot wrong or do certain things Mm-mm. are you in that space are you conscious of that space when you're moving or not really If you were to ask me this like I think before lockdown I don't know yeah. why lockdown was just like a very <laughs> it was a spiritual awakening for me no honestly it was like I was like wow I feel like a different person and a different dancer so it was a good thing and a bad thing in different ways you know but so we <laughs> I was like if you'd asked me this before I was like oh no of course like I want to be you know I want to get my technique right and this and that and this and that but i feel like the standard of what has been right has been set by people that i don't relate to for so long that now i don't give a fuck anymore do you know what i mean i'm just like i'm just going to do what i can do and i'm going to do it and i'm going to explore i'm not saying like i can only do this and i'm only going to do that i'm always going to continue to explore but i don't necessarily think that oh if your foot is not pointed if you can't get that turn that means you're not a good dancer mm-hmm. I feel like this whole like thing of like being perfect and being is very very idealistic and I don't think life is like that. I don't think people are perfect at all and I don't think art needs to like be perfect. I don't think dance needs to be per- what is perfect and who set those standards? People who set those standards are gone. And things <laughs> need to change now already, I think. Uh so yeah, I don't I don't I just for now I'm in that headspace where I'm like I don't think anything's wrong. Like even when I'm exploring and sometimes I'm looking I was like, "Oh, that could have been better." And I was like, "I know like physically how how to make that better." So it's good mm-hmm. that I'm noticing things and I want to make it better. But just me wanting to make it better doesn't mean that it was not good in the first place. Right? It was just different. It's just different. It's not good or bad, I don't think. don't understand why the world works 
the way it does. The way it does. Oh, so I, yeah. yes. So uh, all three of those questions go. I think in my conversation somewhere I've gone lost, but I believe you have a memory <laughs> to go lost. <laughs> Wait. So your question was like, why you think there? Oh, do you think there could be people of different shape, size, and colors? who could do the choreography that you're seeing because you think it's simpler than it is. Not simpler, more accessible. More accessible. Okay. I believe so. I mean, especially in like contemporary work, like we discussed before, I feel like there's a lot of movements, especially right now, that are not are very separate from like something that could be considered very technical, right? They're more pedestrian. They're also more like, it's just movement. And I feel like, if you got someone from the street to like and just train them a little bit to like get that movement and if they have like you said natural rhythm and like the understanding of their body and movement in them i don't know why they couldn't do that you know what i mean like we were actually watching wim van der kibbe's last show that he did yeah it's called hands do not touch and he had dancers in there and there's a sculptor he's just sculpting the entire time in the piece but he, it's also like he's sculpting, but he's also doing like movements that are like the exaggerated version of sculpting. And that was so beautiful because there's something so like um, relatable and and um, vulnerable about that. You know, it's not like a dancer who's like this ripped guy who's like doing these like movements. It's just a human being. Like you realize it's movement at the end of the day. A, a body doesn't have to be a specific way to be able to do that movement, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want it to be like very technical, but I don't even, I don't know. I'm just over it. I'm over like. <laughs> but do you think if you were, let's say 10 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. go with braces, wore your, I mean, you have glasses, like you couldn't see, you know, things like, things that weren't a contemporary or ballet dancer in terms of physical shape. Like I discussed this again with Emma and I was like, Emma, the, like the fact that you are, thin you're flexible and you're white do you think that helps you or hinders you mm-hmm. and she was like it's a bit both so I would ask that same question to you to the fact that you are thin you're flexible and South Asian do you think that helps or hinders you because you do fit a mold of a girl that is athletic enough to do the movement but a girl that is also the girl next door to be able to you know do, do the pedestrian sort of situation mm-hmm. so though we're talking about you know this sculptor that you're discussing who creates it and things and does work but that's one person as opposed to the 10 dancers that they might have around him to be able to carry that piece i feel like a good choreographer can make anybody and move and dance and get what they want from them because i think at the end of the day like i said it's movement and if you know as a choreographer what you want movement wise and what what you want to convey or what you want to say through movement, it can be the smallest things. Like, it doesn't have to be like, like I said, I don't, I don't believe in like dance needing to be this like hugely athletic thing, you know? Like, I feel like there's moments in pieces where someone's just literally not really moving a lot, but just doing like simple things. But that, that has like the subtlety and like the vulnerability for someone who is in the audience to be able to connect to that. And I feel like if a choreographer is smart enough, anybody can dance and they can make anyone move and anyone can create on them if they know how to if they understand movement and they understand bodies i think that's that's what it is at the end Mm -hmm. i don't think if i were if i were 10 pounds heavier and if i didn't if i had if i looked different or whatever it is if i had the right person creating on me 
I think I could still be in a field. Do you think you would get into Rombert and into Sharmak and into Lippa if you were 10 pounds heavier, not as trained as you were, mm-hmm. and let's say a little bit older? A little bit, okay. I feel like different things. So in, in Sharmak, I agree with you I, I know I, I'm there with you and yeah I know that 100% no because I've had some yeah just <laughs> no <laughs> no something just like the, how the society is built as well in India like if you're like if you're not as skinny as me skinny as me you would be like oh you're fat and then say it to your face like not be, they would be very, very blunt about it. Oh, you need to lose weight, you're fat. I'm like, do you know what I mean? And that is, that was back in 2012 to 2014 till the time I came to the UK. In Lipa, yes, I agree because it's a school and I feel like they, they have equal opportunity, like they give opportunities to whoever they think is talented enough or has potential to explore and then whatever, you know, they can do in those three years and train however they want to train and get into like a musical theater thing or a jazz group or like whatever, really. So I think Lipa definitely. Rombert, I'm not, I don't know because I feel like, because it's a little bit more like they, they what they consider like elite dancers and because mm-hmm. they have company, I feel like you would be, ha- you would have to have multiple abilities. Like if it was a specific, or how do you say, like a specific choreographer, like one company that only does that kind of work or does um, different kinds of work, but like need, can do it with those bodies. Because a rep company, you have so many more, like you have to be so much more versatile. Mm-hmm. Just be oh, this type of dancer. You have to be able to do a ballet piece, a Cunningham piece, a Hofesh piece, or a Gaga piece, a pipe piece. You know what I mean? It's like you have to have all of those things because it's a rep company. So I don't even know if it comes down to like the shape or body, like your body size, the shape or how you look. It's the versatility. Exactly. If you have the versatility, work. You're in. Do you know what I mean? Like if you can show that you can move like ten different ways and be consistent and and work hard, yeah. Can I ask you an off the cuff question because it it literally has just come to me. <clears throat> Two questions. Yes. What does a good dancer mean to you? Not yourself, another person. Mm-hmm. And when I say versatile dancer, Mardia, what what does that mean to you if I say versatile dancer? I think a good dancer is someone who is curious and curious about movement and is always exploring to me because then like they're literally finding possibilities of the human body in in ways that you didn't, uh, one wouldn't think it could move that way, you know? I'm not saying in terms of its physicality or virtuosity. Like, I'm not saying, oh, your leg has to be, like, here. Like, interesting ways of, like, moving and always being invested in dance and in movement. And I think that makes a really good dancer, not not because of their physicality, but because of their curiosity, I think. What makes a versatile dancer? I think adaptability, no? Like if someone throws something at you and you have an understanding of what they're trying to get from you, but you do it in your own way. I think, again, like I think someone who understands movement is someone who can be versatile because they understand like, okay, this leg needs to be there or this movement is like that. I can't do it like this, but this is how I would do it. And it looks pretty much the same. 
So having mm-hmm. such a deep knowledge and understanding of your body that you know how to what the choreographer wants from you in different reps or in different pieces, I think. Mm-mm-mm. Well, what's your definition? What's the time's answer? I recently worked on a movie where I assisted and choreographed and it it was a um I don't want to say because some of the people are watching. Let's do it. <laughs> no, no, no. I think for me it was just like I think it, it was an eye-opening experience to see an interpretation of what a versatile dancer is because it was it was a predominantly South Asian production. Mm-hmm. And it was like there were dancers who were just versatile in South Asian dance or there were dancers who were just versatile in like western dancing. And then when you combine the two stylings together, it was it wasn't that they weren't able to do the movements and it wasn't that it was just it was an interesting take Mm-mm. for people who are south asian it's kind of like saying oh my god i don't know if i should say this but i'll say it's kind of like this it, it's it's within us these cultural dances right so like let's say a kathak or bharatnatyam and odissi or like bollywood lollywood like gana all of these sort of things they're meant to be in us right they're meant to be in us in our dna but when yeah. we don't execute it because we haven't taken the time to learn about it and we're just doing like the commercial classes the contemporary classes and all of that does that actually make you a versatile dancer makes you a versatile I, dancer in a white society apparently you know it, it was just it was a very yeah it was like my definition of versatile dancers is changing continuously do you ever get stereotyped because you're south asian and because you're from bollywood does that help you does it not help you i feel like yes i do get stereotyped even in like productions that i've done before it, they were commercial productions and i feel like obviously because of the way i look they assume that you know this is the kind of roles you can play and this is the kind of movement that we expect from you and this and that um sometimes like selfishly i was just like okay you know what like right now i need the money so fine yeah. like i understand like that that side of me but a part of me is like it's just because i am the way i i look the way i look you expect me to move a certain way obviously that's very very racist in my eyes i'm just like that guys you expect something of me without even knowing me as a person like i i look the way i look but i would have probably have never taken a bollywood class yeah I've never done kathak or i've probably never done any indian folk dance you don't know me do you know what i mean so like just these like assumptions um that were made i was just a bit like hmm so they upset me but at the end of the day i was just like okay this is like getting me work you know as sad as it is the the the, the hard reality of it is like there's not a lot of people who look like me especially who maybe in the contemporary world who who can who can who have a bollywood background who who have like a little bit of like indian folk dance um uh, knowledge about them or who are from india completely do you know what i mean so like sometimes that works some advantage cuz in a way i can bring something to the table and try and change the course of things you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. would uh, for example in a contemporary production i would be like go suggest something or like make a solo that has my movement how i like to move how i've been trained to move since i was 8 years old you know what i mean like and i've had sprinkles of that within contemporary dance 
And that I think is changing the course because that's not me saying like, oh, this is all I can do. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to, this is what I'm going to present to you. And the people most, most of the times want that because yeah. a, for them, it's interesting. It's something new. And I feel like that's the only way you're going to change like what, what contemporary dance should be or contemporary dance is for people, you know, when they see somebody who looks like me dancing, I think. Do you sometimes feel like a quota though? And I talked about this um, with a lot of people I do, I think who are black, Latino and work in specific niches. Sometimes we're just a quota fill. And I, I'm an overthinker and I don't know if you are sometimes people, <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, am I there for my talent or am I there just to fill a quota? And if I'm being stereotyped or racially boxed or there's colorism involved and things like that, how much what is the value i'm willing to pay mm. to be in that situation or wh how do i walk away or do i stay in the situation and be a part of the conversation and somewhat like 0.5 percent move it and tilt it mm. have you ever felt like that yes and i've also been made to feel like that by people who i've worked with you know what i mean like oh maybe you just got this role because of the way you look or maybe you just got this duet because of the color of your skin like you probably um you know you look a certain way so you got this job or whatever whatever at the, at the end of the day i feel like okay i've got this job for whatever reason you think i've got it for whatever reason they think they want to give that to me but it's up to me now to like make something of it because I know that I like whatever they think is or people think like, oh, you should have you only got this job uh, because of the color of your skin over someone who is white and probably didn't get the job because they don't look a certain way mm -hmm. because of whatever reasons. I was like, yeah, but what they've already had this like privilege since fucking centuries now to be able to even access those jobs but yeah. right now, like right now like the one of the first times that may maybe like people like me are even getting the chance to like show what we can do so you're gonna say that oh it's it's, it's taking a box and this and that but for me i look at it as an opportunity to like like infiltrate you know what i mean like change this like course of people being like oh people only want to see like people want to see brown people do this job so they can check, check like you know check a box and be like okay i have a brown person now I was like, yeah, you have a brown person and she's really fucking good. Yeah. And you work your ass off to make sure you're really fucking good. And you are good. Like, you need to, like, know that. Like, people, when, like, whenever you've gotten a role, even if it's because of the color of your skin or whatever, they wouldn't put you in the role if you, they didn't think that you could actually put it off. Like, you could actually do it. And how, like, people are like, oh, yeah, but some white person could probably do it better. It was like, doesn't matter you think. Like, that's your opinion. How you probably dance it is probably how I like it. People like me would relate to you more, do you know what I mean, than someone white dancing the same role. I'm just, that's just how I think about it now. Because I've been told enough times that, oh, maybe I just do it. I'm just like, yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm doing what I'm doing, and I am trying, I'm doing my best. I was going to ask you something, but I kind of just answered it in my own head, which is like, we like relates to like, right? Mm -hmm. So whether that is, we both might have, like, we both love donuts, like instantly yeah. we create a bubble and like, we're doing that or like, you know, we're dancers and like, we create a bubble over here. But in terms of just, again, piggybacking off like rates a little, there's two companies that come to my head, which is Akram and Yasmin, mm -hmm. who have a lot of South Asian dancers in it how is it that you kind of 
is it predominantly the fact that Rumbe is a rep company which encompasses of every sort of situation mm -hmm. of all of these practitioners? Mm -hmm. Was that the one selling point for you to be able to go into that? Or were you, did you also audition for Akram and Matthew and you just were like, I'm, I'm just not at home here? No, so I actually, I graduated in 2017 and I still was on my student visa at the time. Okay. So what I did, I came to London, I was in Liverpool, I came to London. So I went to China first to work with a contemporary teacher and by the time I got to the UK again, my I had like three or four more months on my student visa. So I was like, oh my God, I need to get some work. Like, right, panic, like hit me so hard. I was like in London, like I did uh, the Dancers Inc. audition then. So I got my agency. But then I went for a workshop with the Elaine twins who work with Akram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Christine and Shadi, I love them. Like, we got along really well. And they created a solo on me. And we were planning on, like, touring it. I was planning on touring it with them in Impulse Dance and things like that. Oh, my God. I've never been. I so want to go. They were, they, were so, they were so sweet. And I was like, okay, this is something that, you know, I can do. But then my, my visa ran out. So I had to go back home. <laughs> Oh my God, like, what am I going to do? I have to get a visa to go back to this country and then I have to audition, but I have a visa. I can't really go there without, like, I tried to come here on a tourist visa. Okay. On a tourist visa. And oh my God, you broke the rules. I broke the rules, okay? I, <laughs> I had Customs. To I had to do it. There was no other way, okay? <laughs> I took my, my tourist visa. I came here and I auditioned at the time for Romber 2 because those were the only auditions that were on and Rombert oh, 2 was a little bit more accessible for me because I had just finished graduation like just finished third year whereas companies normally they want you to have like five or three years of like professional experience before you even have oh, really I did not know this yeah yeah but like contemporary dance companies it's like oh you know you can apply to turn your show real but like make sure you have like three years or two years or sometimes five years of like professional dance experience I was like that is so like contradictory like how are you meant to have professional experience if you don't get in there where you don't really get into the companies because you need professional experience you know but what counts as professional experience these days instagram dancers are professional experiences <laughs> yeah. so i mean I, I hope that would sell but i don't think that would <laughs> they would <be> you know <laughs> Imagine like you're on your CV. Um, what companies have? Well, I've um, I did an Instagram campaign for Levi's. Um, and I did an Instagram campaign, not demeaning any single person, by the way. Like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you never know. I don't think we're that far away. I always say to people who um who are like, I have a pet peeve, and there's a couple of people who are like who are like lawyers, doctors, and things like that, and they're also like Instagram dancers, and they sell out workshops and things like that. And I'm like, I can't wait. So the day I do a six week intensive on YouTube on how to be a GP and I'm a general practitioner <laughs> and you get and you get fucked off or like I'm a lawyer. I would like to know how the tables turned and how you would feel that is. Oh We're going to talk about sexism now quickly before we do a little situations. I always like to touch on this because I think whenever I have female guests on, it's interesting to know perspectives. Yeah, talk to me about sexism, Ashwari. Oh my god, where do I start, right? It's going to have to go on for like two hours. Yeah. After having done shoots and stuff like that, why are men so disgusting? <laughs> <laughs> also women women as well can i say i've seen some women as well not just men actually let's not put let's but not put gender down when when like okay for example in india right when yeah. you do like shows and things like that i feel like 
yes, the men are disgusting, but the women actually make you feel like you're doing something wrong by being a dancer. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like a thing that's like looked down upon. Like, oh, if you're a dancer, you must be easy or you must be loose. So you deserve to be treated like however these men are probably like looking at you or you, you deserve to be looked at like that or spoken to like that or touched without wanting to be touched. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's a weird thing. But I feel like there's so much that's, ugh. Just like, can we talk about Bollywood and item numbers? That's like been like the biggest thing. Like, I can't believe till day there's movies that have freaking item numbers. And that's what they call it. They call it item numbers. Like a person, a human being. Listen, there's lots of girls who made it because they're item girls. Like my favorite, Rocky Sarmant. I love you, Rocky oh Sarmant. <laughs> Rocky Sarmant, the OG. She's funny. <laughs> I love her. Um, or Katrina Kaif, or like, there's so many actresses that have made it because they're item girls. But that's the thing, like, for for women, like, those are the only options for them to be able to access the industry. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, you're going to be an item girl, and that's going to be your, like, fame, famous, like, one song is going to get you, like, all these other movies, but you have to do that. Whereas a man doesn't have to do that. Do you know what I mean? An item boy, no. That's not for a thing. They have to be shirtless in like one of the movies and they're good. They're good to go. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's just like, it's the opportunities that are presented. It's not about, oh, whatever the opportunities are presented, people who have done it are like, I have nothing against them because those were the things that were given like in front of them. Like that, those were the things that were presented to them. And for them to like make something of themselves, of course they took the opportunity. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that those opportunities needed to be that and like that. And just, Oh, it just yeah it just really gets me like that whole industry like I don't think I could be part of well, even when I was dancing for bottom companies there were so many times it's just like why are we wearing this like what is the actual point of like what we're wearing like how does it serve the purpose of like this choreography or what we're trying to like are you have? telling me you didn't like neon tights and bra straps situation and like bindis on top with blush that can be seen from the moon oh my god <laughs> do you know what do you know what, what is that thing called like, where you're on the forehead a tikka a tikka but a heavy one okay i was dancing one time and i danced like for like two pieces like that with that freaking tikka on my head because obviously we do wear jewelry because girls wear jewelry but they dance right did you know that always yeah. we never dance without jewelry and I literally had a dent like on my forehead once I got off stage. I was bleeding. I was like, oh my God, I'm bleeding for art. Like that is ridiculous. Mm-mm. But not in a good way. I was like, I was like, wow, that was quite something. But anyway, that was, okay. A, um, a, a very portion. Society, a very patriarchal society in the first place, right? Very, very patriarchal, very sexist society that I grew up in, sadly. And here, it's there, but so subtle. That's almost worse. You know what I mean? I'm just like, you work in contemporary, which is, I feel like, I don't know how girls in contemporary work. Because you guys, like, you guys are, like, in onesies that are, like, flesh-toned. Or sometimes, like, just naked on stage with, like, tape on your nipples and, like, things like that. And, yes, there's a, there's a certain aspect of the syllabus of the work asks for it or there's a substance in there. But... Like the amount of DMs you guys must get when you guys put up your work or like after shows. This I I I, I just feel like with when it I I don't personally don't mind being like in those flesh colored like leotards or like being say for example topless because I feel like 
if it's serving the purpose of the piece, like I was mm -hmm. saying before, if some costume or if something that you're wearing or not wearing serves the purpose of the piece and the choreographer, whoever's presenting it to me, puts it across to me in a way, this is why we want to do this. And I agree with it and I'm comfortable with it. I'm okay to do it. But at the end of the day, it's body. You know what I mean? But I don't think no one needs to be like, I don't think anyone needs to be forced to do something. Especially mm -hmm. because like, I feel like because in the dance world, it's so competitive anyway. And with women, because I think women, there's more women than there's, there's men in the dance because of like people are like, oh, dance is for women. You know what I mean? Like they only should be girls doing dance. Um, so anyway, it's so competitive that like you don't want to not get a role because you're, you don't want to do something or like be afraid and you're afraid to speak out because you're like, I'm going to lose this job if I yeah. do this dress and if I don't wear this, da, da, da. So like, I think the people who are in charge need to be more educated and a little bit more sensitive as to what they're asking of people and why they're asking of people, like, you know, in terms of costume or in terms of roles that they want them to play and things that they want them to do. Because even in like contemporary dance, like I feel like sexism, yes, about like the bodies and people like wanting them to dress a certain way, but it's also about roles, like what movement quality or what movement do you consider is feminine and only females should do that movement? Do you know what I mean? I feel a lot of the times it's that as well. Like there's, I, I think for me, like answering your previous question, which I don't think I did, I like a good second plea and I like fast movement. <laughs> like I like dancing strong I'm not a very like fragile like dainty yeah, I'm not dainty and I don't want to be dainty. that's my personal choice doesn't mean I can't be but I don't want to be you know and like I probably is because I grew up in a society where I had to be tough where I had to be very very strong to like be able to defend myself to be able to defend why I want to dance to be very like you know because people would put you down like that yeah so I feel like that also translates into my movement, maybe, you know, and I, and I embrace that. I don't want to shy away from that because I feel like that is who I am as well. Like, I feel like I am that person who likes strength over like being like lifted and like floated around and things like that. But I feel like because of like ballet and like, I'm just saying ballet, but it's other classical Indian dancers that have done that as well, who have very have gendered roles and gendered movement you know we're like okay this is the way that a boy should move this is the way a girl should move this is how men move this is how women move and i feel like sometimes even now those things come back and that pisses me off i was like but we're moving we're stepping away from all that now i think especially with contemporary dance like we can't be stuck to that you know what i mean like it doesn't mean like oh i want to be like dancing strong all the time but i need to have the option to be able to you know like i don't want to be like oh just because she's a girl she has to be lifted just because she's a, a girl she has to like wear this when she dances no why why just because it has been like that for centuries now like i think it's time to like move on no Making it interesting mm -hmm. and describing your life and how you got into it, mm -hmm. I'm going to break it down into questions. Okay. When was the first time you were exposed to the arts industry altogether? What's your first recollection? And dance in specific, just that as a question. I don't know, like five or six or something like that. When I was literally dancing, watching Bollywood movies and trying to dance in my living room. 
what's your earliest memory if i was to like pinpoint of you dancing or you being exposed to something like a bollywood movie dancing what would you say would your earliest memory be i remember dancing in so my mom my parents we grew i grew up in mathuran which is like a small like hill station in india it's not okay. a like i wasn't i didn't go to mumbai at the time i was six i think Wait, south north east west where are we talking uh, in the state of maharashtra still it's a little bit okay. north to where mumbai is um so i grew up there and like there was no cars or anything so you would like go everywhere like walking around or you'd go over like horseback or you would like have little hand rickshaws and things like that so i grew up like like around this like um hotel thing that my mom and dad were managing at the time and my earliest memory of that is like dancing for the guests who were staying in the hotel <laughs> on this little dining table because it was like like early on i was like really like i was like oh this song john you love this song and you were like yeah i love it and i was like dancing on for them i felt like my mom was like oh my girl can dance i'm like mom it's so embarrassing now that i think back at it she loved it when i did it for people because she would be like oh yeah but i think that's my earliest memory of like dance the first time yeah so at what age or point did you lead a decision to be like wait like i want to also know like what you studied at college and like what you did mm-hmm. like outside of shamak and then at what point did you lead that decision to be like actually you know what i think i'm going to be a dancer and then also how did that decision reflect with your parents um so i think i was in the 12 grade which is like junior college i think i don't know like, oh. like the uk education how old are you right now um then i would be like, i'm 25 right now but then i would be would have been 17 oh so that would be like sixth form college here right yeah. about to go yeah sixth form college okay 6 16 17 and then when i was 8 oh no when i was 17 i finished college and at one point i got called into the principal's office with my mom <laughs> because they were like you're missing too much college you can't like miss college all the time because i literally because i was in shamus and doing shows and like training and teaching i would literally only go in for exams oh god But i know it's from these people that i knew in college some of them like who i was friends with but i didn't see for like months and months and then just be like hi can i borrow your like notes and they'd be like sure you know i was terrible i would not go to college and so my teacher can you I'm, get fined like the finders got kicked i was going to get kicked out that's what happened and that's why i got to the principal's office and she was like this is really like not done and blah blah blah, blah. and i was like damn i was like i really just don't want to be like i want to study and i want to do well but it's really hard to manage both and i can't do both so i went out and i spoke to my mom and my mom's like okay you either decide like you have to go to college you have to get a degree my mom's thing and my dad's thing was you have to get a degree i don't care in what but I want so I was like okay so then can I get a degree in dance so mom was like yeah sure get a degree in dance so yeah at touchwood like I've had very lucky I'm very very lucky to have such like progressive like understanding and supportive parents and I think that comes from like when they were younger they couldn't become or they couldn't pursue the careers they wanted to pursue because of family pressure because of the society at that time and I feel like that's why they understood like you know me and my siblings all my siblings my sister is an art historian i'm a dancer my brother studies like philosophy wow so we were all sort of like artsy you know what i mean <laughs> so they supported that so and then my sister was like so what do you want to you want to dance i was like yeah i want to dance i'm a study that okay start looking up at looking at like schools 
So I started looking at schools and I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. Like if I only wanted to do contemporary, if I only wanted to do like commercial or whatever. And then I looked at um, America in school, American schools, <laughs> too expensive for me. <laughs> they are, yeah. They're like 90 grand or something. I don't pay that much. And like I had to do the SATs and this and that. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Europe or somewhere in England like, and figure it out. Because my sister was living in London at the time. She'd just finished like her university as well. So then that's, that's when I decided, like my sister was like, because, oh, by the way, when I was in Shamos, it was a really hard decision as well, because he was like, oh, so you're going to go and you're like, you're leaving now. And I was like, I have to, like, I wanted to dance. And my sister, I was actually quite like, I don't know, in two minds about it. I was like, oh, do I want to leave everything that's comfortable right now and everything that's going okay for me to like, just go and like, I don't know. Like I said, throw myself in a very uncomfortable, unfamiliar situation. And my sister was like, okay, but think about it. Is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? And I was like, so he's like, or do you think you can do more? And I was like, oh yeah, I think I can do more. 100%, you know? And I want to do more. Even if I can't, at least want to see and try. Like, can I, you know, can I do more? Can I not do more? I don't know. But how will I know if I don't like try it? So yeah, that's when I then left and then changed. And then here we are. Do your extended family ever give your parents or you, like, I always find this interesting because I always think that, especially if you're South Asian again, or if you come from India or if you come from Pakistan or Bangladesh or Sri Lanka and you have ancestral, like, roots there Mm -hmm. or people there, like, I think our work is quite progressive and it's not the norm, especially you're in contemporary. It's not like you're doing music videos and you're going to be, you know, like certain festivals and you're, you're creating certain work. Like, how do you explain that when your parents come and watch it? Or like, you know, if Auntie G watches it back home. Oh, sorry, Alexa, please shush. <laughs> like, how do you, yeah, have your parents ever gotten a backlash or have you ever gotten a backlash, especially now because of the digital space? And also, what do your family think of all of the work? I, my family is honestly, I'm again, very lucky to have a very, very supportive family. Like my mom and dad absolutely support everything I do or have done so far. Like I, they came to watch my graduation um, uh, show in third year. And then they came to see my mom. Oh my dad? No, only my mom. My mom came to see with my brother, um, the first uh, Rombe 2 show that I did. yeah they 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 love it like they are here for it they they absolutely like they don't mind that i'm not like you know commercially doing like things that people back home would probably understand a bit more did you go ham in that performance by the way because you knew your mom was in the audience you were like yeah yeah of course oh my god curtains are up let's go (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah yeah definitely i was also very nervous i was like oh my god Mm, because it was sad as well the first night i was like there's a lot of people watching is that your first show at Sadler's Wells? Yeah, the first show. Okay, so the first show, like, because we premiered, uh, we did the shows a little bit in malls in Wales, and then the premiere, the UK, like, London. Everybody goes to Wales. Even Emma over here goes to Wales with her fetch. Like, what yeah, is it? Big, it's a big, like, I think. Oh, the- Brighton. Like, what do you guys have in Brighton or Wales, for crying out loud? Malls is actually really, like, it's very isolated. There's only sheep around but, it's, uh, but but i mean like, oh, it's cool it's like a practice theater also but really like all my teachers from liverpool came to see things in Wales closer for them um so i had people come watch me there so that was a bit like it was really nice as well to like see people there 
supporting. But no, when, yeah, so my mom and dad, like my dad is probably, he saw Drop From Within, which is because it was live stream. You could see it from anywhere. And that's where my dad saw me like perform contemporary <laughs> dance for the first time. He doesn't get it. I know that he doesn't get it, but he appreciates it. He's like, yeah. oh, your body must hurt a lot. Make sure you're eating well. Make sure you're <laughs> taking care of yourself. Like that's his way of showing like love. And then. I think I think they're very like I think they're proud of what I'm doing, but I don't think they find it necessary to like have to explain to any of my like relatives or people they know what I do. They just sort of like show them like videos or photos, and then people or, like people that they know they're like, oh my god, cool, because like it's a visual thing for them, you know. Yes. For them, like something visual that they can relate to or see, like I don't know, like, Ponche, they'd be like, oh yeah, wow, that's amazing. How do you do that? Like, well, everyone can do that. Trust me. But <laughs> everyone I know can do that. But yeah, so I think it's just like um, it, when they have a visual reference to something, it's a lot easier for people to understand and um, yeah, get what I'm doing. Because again, there's like no like big names. I'm not like dancing in a Bollywood movie or I'm not a Bollywood like choreographer. Yet. You don't know. Yet. Do you think you would be where you're at mm. without the support of family and friends? Support how in terms of um, like emotionally, you mean? Emotionally, also the acceptance for you to be able to do because there's lots of kids out there and there are lots of people like including myself who I always like to get this take and I'm yet to find a person who's never supported and like has to fight and survived and is like now made it all of the dickheads who i've had and like including you all have support all people's parents love and accept it and i want to like mother who crying out loud one day please accept me and don't be embarrassed by the life choices that i've made and my family please but um like do you think you would be where you are today if your parents bashed you and were like no and like ostracized you for who you were you had no french support like coming to your shows or anything like that or like and the industry was brutal to you in terms of like getting work because it is brutal mm-hmm. do you think you would be where you're at today i no no i wouldn't no no because a for me to be able to do what i had to do i needed uh, like to even leave India and like study abroad, I needed obviously my parents to be able to support me financially a little bit, right? And if they weren't willing, there's no way, there's no way in hell I would have gone. Like I could have worked, I would have had to work a long, long time to pay my tuition fees or mm. get a scholarship, which wasn't available to a lot of like- International, yeah. Like it's not available to international students at all. So I don't think I would have, and also personally, I don't think like even my, my if my parents weren't uh, there for me, I have I have two like siblings. I have an uh, elder sister and a younger brother. I'm a middle child, so I have like the best of both worlds. And my sister has like always been there. Like I feel like her support is also so like important. Like I think if my mom and dad wouldn't have supported me, I would have probably she probably would have been the next person I would have gone to because she's like older than I am and she's like you know she's she's wiser. Um, wiser than I am probably asked her like how I can do this and this and that but even if she if she didn't support me there was no way like yeah absolutely not I don't think I would have been where I am if I didn't have supportive parents or family or friends 
all my friends who have like always been like they're like rooting for me you know like because like they're like oh you made it like you, you're doing so well like you couldn't be more i'm very very like honestly so very lucky to have people who are rooting for me still and that kind of like is a motivation for me you know so like i i, I always i not just my parents and my family but i also want to like do this for my friends you know what advice would you give to somebody who's let's just say freelancer who's going from job to job has no support is really trying and like you know is really grotting and like literally hustling like there's no tomorrow but everywhere they go the door is shut whether it's like for jobs whether it's like emotional support from family or things like that and there are lots of stories that i'm sure you must know regardless of if they're south asian or not they mm-hmm. could be white they could be like you know from a middle class and upper class like mm-hmm. what so what would you say to that then i feel like a lot of the times when like you're freelancing and then it feels like there's no end to like rejection you get like quite demotivated like why am i even doing this like i'm just going to switch careers and like do something else i feel, I feel like it's so competitive like it's ridiculous how competitive the life we chose is you know yeah. and this is what we love to do so like when it becomes like something you hate because of how competitive it is it takes the joy out of it like so i feel like we just need to remember like there will be like a thousand no's there'll be a thousand no's but be very- oh, please don't give me your lady gaga speech He's like Gaga, but there will be a thousand notes of that. Literally, trust me. I've been like, okay, no, okay, no. But this was when I was doing contemporary work. Yeah. Oh, it's like a thousand fucking notes. I kid you not. I was just like, okay, maybe not. But then you get it. When you get it, you get it. Also, in a case, I feel like you need to find people who are in the similar situation that you are, so you know you're not alone. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's a lot of the times where people are like, okay, I'm I'm struggling. but i am alone and i have nobody that i can connect with or relate to about this when they feel alone then that's it like it's, there's nothing worse than yeah uh, you're you're down on yourself you're re- you're facing a lot of rejection but also feel alone like i feel loneliness is like one of the trigger points for people you know god when so you reach out to people and like be like okay i'm feeling this way like what is what is up with you like what are you doing like is there a way we could collaborate is there a way we could do something let's go in addition like i think like keeping each other motivated and being there for each other is going to help like, i think that's all good in picture though but i feel like there's very few people in this industry that you could be genuinely do that with and especially i think there's there's an aspect of the industry which i will never understand so like let's say right now you're in rombe right mm-hmm. let's say in 10 years from now you graduate from rombe mm-hmm. and life happens some of you guys will get married some of you guys will do certain things just that relationship is gone and you'll keep in touch from like once or twice a year but that relationship is then gone like mm-hmm. what do you do then were you talking about like but you're talking about people like that or, or like let's say when you're trying to hustle and you reach out to people and you're like let's collaborate let's do something <laughs> and you know then one person starts excelling and the other person is still there and you're like oh were you just using me to get where you wanted like to get a product or like something like that exactly. like competitive thing between yeah because but it is a competitive because at the end of the day like let's say if we're in a, in dance and we're like let's get each other into shape right mm-hmm. and it's a physical thing like at the end of the day but like one person might progress because they have genetics on their side and they're just able to do that and then they get the job and then they start progressing and then they get another job and then they get another job and you're just stuck and then you're eating the bag of doritos and watching friends and you're just like fuck my life yeah <laughs> like i don't want to train anymore <laughs> okay i don't think you need to 
again, you don't need to have like that one person. That person's not, nobody is here to save you, okay? I'm not saying nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to put themselves after. Like they, everyone's going to put themselves first. Well, especially when it comes to like wanting to get a job or things like that. So I'm not saying, oh, put all your eggs in one basket and rely on this one person to get, get you through this thing. I'm saying like, I think what helps is communicating with people like that you meet in, or like just knowing that you're, yes, you're going for all these auditions, but you're not gonna be like suffering all through all of this alone. There's other people who are doing this as well and making contacts and making more networks and like growing through that. I don't, I'm not saying, oh, make this one best friend and then be like stuck to them. And then when they get combat, <laughs> exactly. I don't, it doesn't need to be that. But yeah. just knowing that you need to communicate because if you don't like communicate and reach out to people, it just even ex like telling them about how you're feeling or like, oh, how, are you feeling this way? Like, what could we do? Maybe we should all go to like this, I don't know, audition together and see like what we can get or like, because that's the only way that you're going to be motivated to do it. Because when you're yeah. alone in your house and you're already like demotivated to do anything, that's it. else that, okay, let's just do this. And, okay, fine. Have a reason. Have someone to go with. At three other people who are doing the same, probably you're going to do the, you know, suffer through the same thing. One of them gets through, oh, fuck you, you got it. Well, <laughs> let's go to another audition, like another week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really hard, especially now. Like, I can't imagine how hard it must be. It's, it's, I, yeah. I think now it's good to be freelancer if you have a family or if you have a spouse because there's lots of people getting booked in bubbles. <laughs> oh, yeah. I um I don't do no no I don't do I don't do digital anything really for me I think like my Instagram I try to promote things that I would find interesting like mm -hmm. personally like I promote things that um the works that I have done probably the collaborations I've done with people whatever photography or videos or a piece so I feel like whatever I wanna what I think is interesting would be the best representation of what I can do and what I have to offer. And it's also interesting to me. I think that's the best way for me, at least uh, to promote myself because then mm -hmm. people are like, okay, she's interesting. She's done these kinds of work or she's not interesting. I don't like, I don't agree with what she stands for. I don't agree with the kind of work she does, whatever. It's up to them to make up their own mind. Right. But I don't want to like bombard them with like, social media like feed like 24 7 like sometimes people are like i when i have too many videos on my phone of people are doing like things all the time i'm just like i just scroll through i'm like i can't i actually can't i just i can't look it through anymore because it's not the fact that okay i don't want to i'm just like i'm this that literally there's so much information being thrown at you every day from so many directions and social media just for me adds to that so whenever I have something that I want to say when I think is important is the only time I, this needs to be seen or this needs to be heard or this is going to be a good representation of me as an artist and I want that to be on my page so if someone goes and sees it they're interested in my work then they're going to contact me I just make sure that I have like my emails or my agents whatever mentioned in case they want to go through an agent or they want to message me directly whatever it is like I got most of my jobs like with my Instagram like private messages when they're like, oh, we saw this post and we thought this was interesting, da 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 you know? It's not like I want to bombard them with 24-7, like, just things that they have to see and they think mm. to engage with. I pick and choose. Like, I feel like too much social media. Like, I don't like it personally. So maybe, I don't know. 
maybe maybe i'm getting old i don't know <laughs> i don't know calm down calm down you're still young what is your take on the whole social media people who will do like covers and like put in money into their productions and like you know get a videographer and um yeah do all of that sort of thing and become like and then brands will approach them and they might get like music videos or like movies and you know acting jobs off that what do you think of all of that just out of curiosity i think if it's like if it's something that you really want to do and you think again like is the best representation of your work and your art like this is what you want to put forward as or oh, this is what i do i you know i want to get it filmed really well and it's like a, a representation of your brand or who you are i hate that word i know oh. like brand. that's what they say no like like oh so you this is your brand you know you want to stick to it like that mm -mm. i hate that i hate what is a brand you're a person exactly thank you very much but that's what social media is like oh you're a brand now you know you're a product that we can consume and we can then use to our gain basically but but that's what i mean like i feel like if you think that this is okay the best representation of you and this is how you want to get work and you want to get a videographer to film it for you or do a photo shoot and then get jobs i don't think anything's wrong with that mm -hmm. as long as it's at least as long as you're happy with it and you think it's the right thing to do do you know what i mean and people are like free to have their own opinions and like my personal opinion is like i do not want to maybe unless i know that i want to make a choreography like i want to make a piece and then i know everything about it from like the costumes to like what movement i want to who i wanted to who i wanted to be with who I, where i wanted to be filmed all of it like all the details then i would get a sh professionally shot then i would post it for sure because then they'd be like okay this is one of the choreographic works that i've done you know um and maybe someone likes it like oh my god that's amazing can you choreograph my next music video and i'd be like yeah sure let's go you know <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. so i'm always intrigued just as a dancer what would you say is the is the point for you like that you're going to be like you know what i'm fulfilled i'm more than fulfilled and i'm going to keep going like that's the goal like you know for actors it will be like I want to do a feature movie with like Meryl Streep or like mm -hmm. something like that or like for as singers it'll be like I want to do Glastonbury and I want to win a Grammy. So yeah, what has been the highlight of your career or if it needs to be 3? Mm -hmm. And what would you say is your my goal? My yeah. Goal, my end game. Um I think firstly I think it's very subjective, right? Oh god. Because I'm just like I don't know like some people want to dance for two more years and they think they're fulfilled and that's them. But I'm yeah. not wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone wants to like dance to the time they're 40 and think like okay now I just want to that's it for me. Like I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do anything with dance. I want to like start a fashion brand. I don't know. Like I think that's fulfilling for them. That's fine. For me, I think what I want to aim for is somehow create an opportunity for people and artists back home to be able to experience um contemporary dance for me and that may be in in form of a company that i create or a collective i don't want to call it a company i think it's more a collective where i i i collaborate with artists from back home from from backgrounds different backgrounds who not necessarily you know like because um, i feel like a lot of people back home and we don't talk about this at all really um in in and in conversations even when people from like south asian descent is 
the caste and like the privilege oh my god right and i feel like a lot of yeah. a lot of artists who are underrepresented from like lower castes um or minority groups in india don't get the opportunities that most people get even even in bollywood or even whatever like um uh, avant-garde stuff whatever you want to call it you know in india so i feel like i'm aware of that because i have been made aware of that and i am i'm going to continue to learn about my own privileges my you know and people who i want to help as well because i think they deserve that yeah and i want to have a platform or opportunities where i can collaborate with those people create something worthwhile and then tour it maybe in india hopefully if i get the funds for it and then take it to europe and bring it here like i, I want to create with artists who have not been given the opportunity to create because of where they are who they are and where they're from but can i say that's you that's you progressing more than a dancer what is the ultimate goal for you as a dancer okay as a dancer i think it would be dancing till till i can't anymore <laughs> dancing till i'm i'm like okay i physically cannot play anymore like, i can't do it i just my body is in pain i can't do it anymore but there's no like job but there's no like sort of fulfillment like when i'm able to find my voice or when i know what it is or like i don't think i don't know i don't think there is a point where you're fully going to be fulfilled i'm sorry yeah. news flash like i don't think <laughs> for me personally i'm always yeah. thinking what's next what's next like even now i'm like it really is yeah i am that person like i don't think like i'm any i'm going to be like okay i'm fulfilled now let's go like i'm done being like a dancer I don't know because I don't know where I'll be when I'll reach that point. Yeah. I don't think I will hopefully maybe not ever reach that point like that I don't want to stop, you know that I, maybe till the time that I physically cannot do it anymore and then like, okay maybe I take a like a step back and just like maybe create something because you yeah. anymore. You know but I don't think there's an end goal like it's not like oh I want to dance with this choreographer and I want to dance with that. It would be amazing. to experience and work with all these people and gain their knowledge and like put that in my little bag like this is what i learned from this person and this is what i learned from this person and have that with me but i don't think there's a one specific choreographer or like a show or um i don't know um like a movie or anything like that that i want to dance in and i want to do this and like that's not a thing for me i don't think highlights have been so far getting a job <laughs> <laughs> literally uh and no it has actually been getting into rombay yeah it changed my life because it's taken me on such a different direction than otherwise you know because if i didn't have a contractual job in the uk i would have had to go home like they would have been like this i can't be a free i would love to be a freelancer if i could but i can't even be a free mm. because i can't do they have to have i have to have a certain type of visa to be sponsored to stay in the country yeah true so i can't i don't have that luxury of like freelancing whenever i can luckily with rombay like when i'm not dancing full time like when i'm not dancing and have some time off i have to like put in a request if i could do this commercial job and if i'm off and they don't need me they let me go and do that very very lucky in like that sense because then i get to keep my agents and they're not pissed off um but i feel like so definitely getting into company that sort of understands a little bit you know like Wait, you're from India, so isn't it India part of the Commonwealth? So you could technically apply. No, right? I tried for so long. You have no. Is idea. it not? 
No, it, well, it is. We don't get the visa. Oh. Why? You tell me why. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I might be getting kicked out of the country because I, I'm Dutch and Brexit is happening. So, Stop. you know. Stop. I can't. Like, but it's, yeah. So, no. Because, like, my friend. You marry uh, somebody. You marry somebody from the UK. That is it. You marry somebody from the UK. Literally. I mean, no. That's not happening at all. No, what? You have a boyfriend, don't you? I had a boyfriend. Wait, I thought you, oh, I was going to talk to you about interracial relationships and things like that. Well, here's the thing. I'm in a different interracial relationship now. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, so you are in a relationship then? I am in a relationship. See, there you go. So you, you can't say you had a boyfriend. You have a boyfriend. But I had a boyfriend as in like not a, not a, not a British boyfriend. Oh, okay. I just thought he was Gora, so I just thought he was like British. This one's good. But it's okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But yeah, highlights, highlights. So getting into Rombert. Getting into Rombert. Um, I think John's Magazine was quite a big thing for me. I was that like, happened recently. And I thought that, that happened was, recently. I really liked that. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is nice. It's like definitely something that I remember. And my, my versatile director was like, make sure you get a hard copy. You should like have like your wall. I was like, oh, I'll try to get like a hard copy of it. But that was the highlight because it was very unexpected and happened because yeah. of Draw From Within. Oh, nice. Yeah, because it was live streamed in the States. And people saw and they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's, yeah, that was really humbling in a way. I'm like, damn. So that was definitely like a highlight, I think, for me. And what other highlights? Do I have to give you three? Because, like, I feel like... No. I just always like the number three, so I just say three. <laughs> Only because, like, other highlights have been, like, small, like, dance things. But I feel like... It's up to you. It's up to you. It can just be two or it can be three. Yeah, two. Those are the two. main... Two, and then just the ability to be able to dance. Let's just say that. Okay, well, interracial relationships, let's talk about that quickly. And then we're going to play games. Fun part. So, okay, I've been, like, the my ex-boyfriend was the first interrelation, interracial relationship that I had. And yeah. American. So we both came from, like, different countries and, like, met in the UK. So I experienced... Please tell me he's not a dancer. No. Please no, tell. No. Also, please tell me your current boyfriend is not a dancer. He's a dancer. <laughs> You can see him come to me as well. How do you... Okay, wait. I'm... Wait, is he in Rambert? You don't need to say it. Yeah. Is it one of the Alexes? No. Okay. <laughs> They're both gay. Both Alexes are gay. Openly gay. Oh, hey, I don't know. I was going to say Liam, but Liam's not white. So, mm. and Liam's the only one who I know from it. No. Wait, is it Daniel? No, stop. <laughs> Daniel? Danny. No, Danny has a partner, Juan. They're together. Wait, Juan is in company, Juan? Yeah, company Juan. I don't oh, know. I'm talking about like fucking relationships. I know. You're gossiping <laughs> out here, Shweya. You should be shamed. Like, But anyway. <laughs> um, so wait. So your previous boyfriend was uh, American, not yeah. in the industry. Mm. Yes. A musician. So like we met at Lipa and our first time that he came to visit like India and like us going around was such a big deal because personally people assumed that I, because I was with him, that I was an NRI, like a non-residential Indian. So I didn't speak any like, <laughs> me in English. And I'd be like, oh my God. I was like, here we go. And then people would like stop him in the middle of the street and be like, oh, can I take a photo with you? And they made them make him hold their baby and take a photo. And he's like, stop oh. it. 
No, honestly, and I was just, no, I don't wait, no, no, no. Seriously? That happened. I swear to God, that has happened, and it's happened multiple times. Once when we were in a museum, people were like, "Okay, oh, can we take a photo with you?" And he was like, "Sure." So he took like a photo with this guy, and another time, like, "Can you hold my baby?" And it was like, "What the hell is happening?" That happened with my friend Sophie as well. She's Brit, and she came to India. This is odd, anyway. And then, but the worst part was like wherever we would go, people because we were like um, together and traveling together, people would just ask us, "Oh, are you guys married?" And it was so awkward. They were like, "Oh, are you guys engaged?" And I was like, on each other for like three months. This is so awkward. And we're like, you know, oh, you each other for three I'm months, and you take him back to meet your family. No, it wasn't a meeting my family. He just come to visit, like India. We just like traveling together. But he met your family, didn't he? Yeah, but it wasn't a big deal. It's not like oh, I'm gonna make you meet my family now, you know. <laughs> oh my god, I know it's a big thing. Like when people like bring people back, especially Indian. No, it's not. It's not the fact that it's a big thing. I just think that it's a big thing. Three months later, I have a three rule, which I'll explain to you later. But yeah, go go go. I, I understand. I'll see. Everything can see. Yeah, because I was born on the third as well. So number three is like everything in my life. It's my auspicious number. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, cute. Okay. Uh, but no, it wasn't like intentional. It wasn't like oh, I'm gonna bring you back to like meet my family because obviously I didn't really think of that that way. I was just like I just want to travel with you and explore like India. It'd be fun to do. Um, but anyway, so that was my interaction with people and like just the whole like it was just weird. I was like, man, this is strange. Like people like obviously want us. assume that we're together especially because we're you know he's white and I'm Indian yeah and then in the UK actually we had uh, because we were both from a different country our interactions with people were like like they just considered us foreign do you know what i mean so like for us for each other we were just a bit like yeah whatever like it is what it is so then for us we became very much reliant on like understanding each other's culture and getting to know each other more understanding each other's homes and languages and things like that because we found like we had to be home at least for each other you know because yeah. we're home so it was a bit like ah panic so yeah that and then i feel like with my now relationship because i'm with a dancer it's a lot different cuz when the same headspace and same bubble on more yeah so like everything we do now is together which can be a blessing and a curse i think but i feel like i i found that i i need somebody that i can connect with in that way as well because dance for me like it sounds super cheesy and super like out there but it is literally like it consumes my world right now it has yeah nothing else to do like i go to the i dance i come home i dance at home so it's literally like consume my whole world and even without covid or prior to covid i just love it i genuinely love it so i'm so invested in it to have somebody that is as invested in it as i am and explore that together is really special for me but how do you break things up in rehearsal especially because you guys are in a company together and like how like do you guys get all the duets do other people like like if you get a lead he'll be like oh, what the fuck did she get a lead or like if he gets a lead or like if you i think like i will say this for dancers i think like the act of physical like let's say if we're like i don't know kissing somebody on stage or if we're like naked and we're like doing certain things i don't think dancers get that much jealous but like how does jealousy work in this sort of dynamic like also because you are talking work shop every single time mm-hmm. like 
Yeah. Does he does he understand the caste system back home? Does he understand Modi? Does he understand that's like That's what we talk about. Like I feel like I also need someone who I can have like an intellectual spar with, sparring with almost, you know? Yeah. And we like talk about oh, what was my experience like? What is my culture and like what is what society that I came from and like similar to him and I feel like it, there's a lot of like intellectual exchange and also okay. creative exchange. and i feel like when it comes to like jealousy and things like that i feel like because we're dancers we know that that is our work i personally am something like that i wouldn't get jealous of you know what i mean like if someone is is dancing or he gets like a role i'm like if you get a role and if you're doing well it's because of the way you are and because how well you move and the person in front of the room really likes the way you move yeah you i there's nothing against me or that i don't feel bad because you know someone else i love is getting an opportunity because of how good they are like that's yeah. and i feel like i feel like hopefully think and believe he feels the same way so yeah hello everybody i am so sorry to interrupt again but i had to if i haven't mentioned this before chai with rai is a pre-recorded visual show which i transfer into podcast so the next section of the show which is called sip a chai or play with rai is a game section where the guest and i just let loose and have fun and it might not make sense in podcast form so to watch any of that or to watch any of the previous episodes simply go on to youtube you poop youtube and type in chai with rai to find the relevant episode i hope you will see the fun that we have and just how we let loose i hope you guys have been enjoying this thank you so much for sticking in and let's get back to the end of the show well done well well done <laughs> oh think... my gosh how are you See that's the type of shit I want to do <laughs> at the playground. You have to please do it. <gasps> yes, I'm so down for this. This is cuz oh. it won't be serious. It'll be fun. This is hence why the playground. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm I so here for it. I need to see you do some of these moves by the way. Yeah, listen, anytime, anytime. When we're doing that playground, you have to choreograph on us and I need you to like show me <laughs> in person. If Yeah, playground. I will come back if I'm allowed to by Sabone and I will do so. But you have to be there as well. 100%. I'm there. Let's go. We have to do this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, one of the principal dancers from Rombay, the British leading contemporary company out there and one of its leading dancers just showcase some beautiful improv there i just want to say thank that thank you so much i'm so i i'm so glad you made me do that please that book her that's what they go one of my dance highlights dance life okay. highlights you're too dance kind you're too kind and you're lying you know this <laughs> no, all right that. we're coming towards the end of the show and in this point i like to bring it down and we will go back to seriousness okay. and um i'm going to ask you what words of wisdom would you like to give to your mirror self today um to try and be you know humble and more um confident in yourself yeah but like be confident but also be humble you know? kendrick lamar just listen to it Just, just you were calling like Gaga and Kendrick. I'm just wise. There we go. Yeah, like there Gaga you go. and Kendrick Lamar mixed in one. There you go. Um, are you not a humble person? Would you say? I I try my best to be, and I think I am. But sometimes I feel like 
um, I don't think it's overconfidence. It's trying to maybe compensate compensate for the lack of like people not believing in me mm. that can make me go like hmm, I'm gonna show you you know yeah. and I, sh I lose that humility a little bit because of that sometimes I think it's good to do that only because you don't want people to like take you for granted and be like oh she's always gonna be there I'm just like no no fuck with me yeah yeah so it's a fine balance yeah it's true <laughs> I think that's when you need <clears throat> if you're constantly like that, that's when you need external sort of guidance in that. Yeah. Um, peaks and valleys is a question I always like to ask mm -hmm. the guests. Mm -hmm. A peak is a high point of your personal professional life. What was it? What lesson you learned from it? A valley is a low point of your personal professional life. What mm -hmm. was it? What lesson you learned from it? Um, I feel like a highlight would be, I think just the whole experience of it, just like moving away from home. Yeah. The whole experience, you know, just like because I was I was still a teenager when I left home and to be somewhere that I was literally so comfortable back home and like leaving that comfort zone and going somewhere completely new where I did not know people that I did not have family close to me. I feel like that just changed me into a very um, independent um, person. And I think it like gave me like a yeah good understanding of what or who I wanted to be or how I wanted to be a little bit more. So I feel like the peaks, as sad as it is, like leaving family and friends home, I think it was definitely one of the peaks in my personal life, just like leaving. So I could like reflect back on and be like, okay, damn. And I think a low point was um, personally when I... I don't know, like, I don't think there's moments, but there's experience or like months in my time where after I graduated for a while before I got a job, I was so demotivated to like do anything because I was like, I only have like two more months here. If I don't get anything, I'm going back home, you know? And those mm -hmm. two months were like, I was just like down in the dumps. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. I've wasted three years of training. I've wasted my parents' money. I've wasted da da da. It was just, yeah, I think that was a really low point. And then I don't know what, I, don't, I think what helped me is actually going back home and like connecting with people that actually care about me, love me so much. And it gave me like a little bit more confidence in myself. Like actually, even though, even if it is the way it has to be, even if I have to go back home, I still know I'll, I'll do something really like worthwhile with my life, you know? It's not the end of the road. It's not the end, yeah. of, the, in, end of anything really. But that was definitely a low point where I just like, damn, I don't know what I'm going to do. So, yeah. But other than that, I've been very fortunate and very lucky. And yeah. What upcoming projects do you have, Ashwarya Ji? Ah, really? There's so many right now. We're working <laughs> on a new project, right? With our yeah. artistic director. We have uh, a new choreographer, two new choreographers come in next week. And then we're remounting some of the reps that we have learned already. And then hopefully do a live stream in April. And then again, another one, April, May, maybe in May or June. I'm not sure. So we're just creating right now, okay. working on that. And then us working together in Invisible Cities. And us work and in the, at the playground first. I think that's yeah. where you should be. You should come to the playground. Okay, I'll yeah. record you. I'll record your performance. And then I'll send that audition tape to Benoit. Just have it in his office. So it's the first thing he sees when he gets into like work that day. And he'll be like, this guy, I have to have him. Let's go. Can I just say, then I'll retire after that. After that, I'll retire. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, good. yeah, after that, I'll be like, 
I did Invisible Cities. Boom. I've worked with Sidi Labe. I've worked with like the best. <laughs> the best of the best. The best of the best. The creme de la creme. Um, any lasting words you would like to say? Lasting words that I would like to say? I don't know. Just take it easy, everyone. <laughs> it's been fucking hard. Lockdown's hard, man. Like, honestly, COVID since it started, like, I, I, feel, I feel very, very lucky to actually go in every day and, like, meet people and yeah. see people. Even though I'm not meeting everybody, I at least have like five or six other people that I interact with. Like, I can't imagine people who are on their own and like have been since, I don't know, almost a fucking year now. Yeah, so yeah, true. Take it easy, hang in there, get in touch if you need to. I'm here. That's well, mm -mm. What's your favorite type of chai? That's my last question <laughs> I always like to ask. Of course, masala. Masala chai. Masala chai. I got I them back with me from home when I went for Christmas. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guests for joining me, for being so generous with their time and for being so open. As well, I want to say a massive thank you to you for listening and supporting. Make sure to comment, share and subscribe if you enjoyed that episode. Share it with your uncle, your auntie, your neighbor, your co-worker, that random person you like to dial on for a booty call. You know the one I mean? But really, your support means a lot and it helps the show and the message of it grow. As well, you can find the pre-recorded live version on YouTube. Simply type in Chai with Rye to find the relevant episode's video. I will pop all of the information down, such as the guest social media, their website, alongside that in the bio in the description. Make sure to show all of that some love too. That's it for now. Until the next episode, I wish you all love and light. Breathe in, breathe out. Namaste. <laughs> Which means now I must go. Again, copyrighted. Until the next time, everyone, stay curious.